Hello, and welcome to Big Sound Small Town. I'm your host, Sandy Carlton. The small towns and communities of Cleveland County, North Carolina have long been a hotbed of music in all its many forms. Several Cleveland County musicians have found commercial success and critical acclaim in the music industry. Yeah, everybody knows the Earl Scruggs, Don Gibson, Patty Loveless, and Alicia Bridges are from Cleveland County. Donald Bird, too. So this is not a podcast about them. This is a podcast about the musicians who are still here to keep music alive here. This is the stories, and you need to know them and know the people who are making the music. This is not, this is not your normal podcast. My guests for this show, Brian Edmondson and Tommy Brooks, are so intertwined musically that it just seemed right to tell their story together. And it was actually Brian's idea. And it's the first for the show. Uh, Two fabulous musicians sharing their music and their story. Give it a listen. Today on Big Sound, Small Town, I'm with my guests, Brian Emerson, Tommy Brooks, members of the Oak Grove String Band, as well as being members of the historical Cleveland County musical families. just a little touch of their music they'll tell you how to get in touch with a lot of their music before this is over with all right guys you both come from legendary and historic Cleveland County musical families uh, where would you like to begin yeah 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 well, I think the uh, best place to start is at the beginning, so right. let's start there. In the traditional. In the traditional sense. Okay. Right? So, um, right here in Oak Grove, North Carolina, as we call it. Um, I was born in 75, what year was you born? 72. 72. So, that was right in the prime thick of the bluegrass history that comes from our family. So, um, my dad, Jerry Edmondson, was a member of Bluegrass Tar Heels, and, and as I grew up and as I met Tommy at a very, very young age. Uh, it was both of them, you know, heavy influence on our lives and the community because I don't remember doing anything other than going to bluegrass festivals and just sitting in the yard picking and having folks stop by. And the whole focus of our childhood was, you know, learning that music, so. It's funny, the guitar that I played was my granddad's guitar and it sat the closet. And when I was about 12 years old, I remember I wanted it. I wanted to play it. And my dad, he, he plays a little bit, and he said, well, when you can tune it, you can have it. 
Prior to tuners, yeah. 82 or 3, it wasn't any internet, it wasn't any YouTube. And uh, I would go play with Brian's older brother, Steve. And I just had to walk in the house when he was teaching, Jerry was teaching Brian's older two brothers how to tune the guitar. <laughs> and I sat there and I watched him teach Steve to tune one, and I watched him teach Terry to tune one. And I went home and I've had this been my acoustic guitar ever since because I could tune one. But that was my introduction into actually playing music was just being at their house and, and watching Jerry teach his four boys music, you know. And because uh, by that time my granddad had died and the music park had closed, but my granddad had Crossroads Music Park. And so from the time I can remember being just a little kid up until then, um, every weekend was at my grandmother's house with Loretta Lynn, Conway Twitty, you name it, having breakfast Sunday mornings, gospel pickings with Tex Ritter. And, Kitty Wells and um, just sitting at the store and on Sunday evening everybody was picking at my granddad's store and then when we had our store sit around in the evenings and pick and, and it's so funny all the first chords and the way to hold the pick and the way to hold the guitar that I learned was from watching Jerry was one of the best banjo players I around, agree totally uh, teaching his boys to play guitar so he had some accompaniment Right. <laughs> Steve played the bass and Terry played guitar and Mark played the piano a little bit and Brian played guitar and we had a house full of instruments just and like it was fiddles uh, mandolins, banjos and it's funny that with that heavy country music influence of my beginnings and bluegrass and Brian's beginnings and then mine is bluegrass playing my first full songs with somebody else that uh from 12, when I turned 15, I saw uh, my first Iron Maiden concert. <laughs> I've never, I went 10 years and never played acoustic guitar again. And the same thing happened to me in, in high school with R&B hitting the scene, right. and just general rock and roll and the, you know, those bands and we were, my first music concert was uh, Motley Crue. Yeah, uh, totally different. Older brothers who were air band guys, you know, or at least following that. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I really remember from the beginning sitting back and sitting in our living room and listening to the band practice, you know, Bluegrass Tar Heels and right. County Partners was coming along at the same time. Right. And just remember the thick harmonies, you know, the tight bluegrass harmonies. And mm -hmm. they really spent a lot of time on that. And uh, you know, a lot of it was gospel bluegrass. So it was very soulful. And I think Tommy and I both really lean on that these days in our music as being one of the prideful things about our bands that we're in. Well, that is one of the things that you guys do good. And you want to expand on how y'all learn to do that? I mean, you don't wake up, most of us, and can sing harmony together well without I'll, drifting. I'll tell you how I first started singing harmony was uh, I was playing in a southern rock band. I was playing bass in a southern rock band. And we were learning... Oh, it's old Molly Hatchet song. What's uh, the not for the disaster? Or? No, it wasn't Molly Hatchet. It was Marsh Tucker Band. Can't you see? Yeah, yeah. yeah. right, okay. right. Got three part harmony in it, right. but it's straightforward harmony. And of course, our drummer sang, and one of our guitar players sang, and nobody else in the band sang. And and uh, he said, "Won't you sing that middle part?" I said, well, how do I know if I'm, if I'm right? He said, if it sounds wrong, you're right. 
in my ear because I kept wanting to go to the melody. Right. And he said, no, you know, because I jumped to the melody. Right. No, he said, if it sounds wrong, that's the right note. Because I was hit the right note and it would sound wrong to me. Right. And I always remember that, you know, that, that was my first taste of, of really actually singing harmony. And uh, then playing music with Brian. Uh, when, that, when Dave, you and David were learning all the dead things. Yeah, it's, it was, I went from bluegrass to heavy metal and went on the road out of high school and played electric guitar in a band and grew my hair long and wore spandex pants and did all kinds of embarrassing <laughs> things and learned a lot about the music industry. I learned that uh, the promoter made a lot of money and the bar owners made a good bit of money and the, <laughs> the guys that leased us our bus made a good bit of money and the guys that serviced our gear made a good bit of money and the sound man always made money. And at the end of the night after we put fuel in the truck and a little bit of food in our bellies and paid our bar tabs, there was no money for anything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I quit playing music. I said, that's it, I'm done with that for a while. and started my own business and. Brian invited me to come to Wilmington and stay with him a little bit. And you had just gotten out of the military, I believe. And they were playing a lot of Grateful Dead stuff. And I had never heard any Grateful Dead. I was a member of Columbia House and had unopened Europe 1972 vinyl and cassette. <laughs> unopened. Okay. I go down and I listen to them play. When it's over, I said, man, did you guys write all those songs? They're like, no. Nah, yeah. like, all these brothers are Grateful Dead, man. And I'm like, you know, because I missed that. I didn't oh, yeah. come straight from high school to on the road playing hard rock. I missed all that from, you well, know, the mid- know yet. <laughs> I didn't know that was. And, uh, and so I came home and, and having just a little bit of guitar that I had been playing, because I played drums in that heavy metal band, was all heavy metal chords, rock and roll chords, minors, diminished, all the scales, you know, nothing in a major progression right. or, or, or any kind of happy, everything's yeah. real dark, you know. And, and so I'd get behind the chord, you know, and I'd go, okay, yeah, yeah, that's that song's in E, right? And then I'd play a lead over and I'd go, whoa, that's not right at all. That, that's not right. None of those notes were there. Until I learned how to play in front of the notes, and, and that's what really, having that challenge, having that challenge, well, that's exactly what it did because like I said, I, when I opened up Europe 72, well, that's just a bunch of old country tunes. And I knew all those Marty Robin tunes and heard them all, you know. And uh, and me and David Robbins was singing singing those harmonies. And then when Brian came around, put the three in there, the, yeah. the third part in. And well, you got sang in, in yeah, acapella. Yeah, I sang in chorus and stuff in school. But, right. you know, also, you know, you mentioned you, know, you just don't wake up and right. be, are able to do that. But most people don't lay in their living room floor and listen to Luther Channel and, and <laughs> that's true. Setzer and you know everybody sing harmony, Tom Killian. Right. And actually listen to people say, You sing this part. You're on yeah. your so I'm sneaky. Right. I'm, I'm five years old and sneaky. Yeah. Like, Ooh, what's that? How'd you bend that? You know? Oh yeah. And then we had a piano there, so I tried to match and match those harmony notes. Yeah. The piano and it became very linear to me mm-hmm. and, and just um, you, you know, something that I'm gonna have a good song. I'd like to hear some harmony. Yeah, <laughs> you know, something, something's you know whether it's subtle or just um, you know augmented like some of those great Dead. Would, would I be putting y'all out to get y'all to sing something with two parts right here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we might work something out. We're gonna play. Is this the Yeah, that's a good one. That. Uh, what hey. Can you sing that? Yeah, I'll put it there. 
playing together I mean well uh, Rebel House was just you know I played in a talent show with Tommy when I was in the ninth grade when yeah, I was in the eleventh grade and um, <laughs> a bunch of mess but it was good hey <laughs> i tell you what though and that's what I tell all my daughters play a little bit my youngest is one of she's the only one that's really taking a handle to it and gets up on stage and plays right. and she enjoys it and uh, I had horrible stage fright I tried to sing a chorus, I did a one-year course, and the first concert we had, I, I stood backstage and threw it up, it was horrible, almost passed out. 
couldn't get can't get couldn't get in front of people, and uh, then decided I was going to suck it up because one of his brother Steve told me he said, "Well, that's the hardest part about playing is just walking out there. Once you start, it's the same song you've been playing in the basement. They turn the lights on, you can't see anybody." That's true. And uh, we played that high school talent show, and it was a it was something. But what it did was it made me say, I'm going to do this every day for the rest of my life. Well, after school, you know, we both went our separate ways playing music. And it wasn't until Jerry got sick. Yeah, Jerry got sick and brought me home from. You guys, you and your brother were in a band in Missouri, right? We were playing. Yeah, that's what I thought I was doing, was playing music. And uh, we were, this is probably 2000, around 2000. Yeah, 99. I think y'all played at the party. And uh, was this Bluegrass? And that no, was no. jazz and okay. rock and roll and dead covers and blues and um, our the lead guitarist in the band went to the St. Uh, University of St. Louis, I think, played jazz. And so he was from there and we decided, hey, we're gonna go where you were from. Right. Hit that scene. We were doing great in Wilmington and you know, East Coast and just burning it up, no. So, um, but you know, just like all bands who give it a shot like that and you gotta, you gotta weather the storm which is the money part mm-hmm. of it and uh, our dad got sick with the Gauchet's disease that's what dad passed away from and and mom was like you know we may have a good year or two left and um, so you make your own decision there was no pressure and I said well I'm gonna spend them at home and so I did me and Mark packed up came home and saw Tommy that day and oh really? Pulled up in the drive. Hey man, home. You in the jam zone? Oh. That's a funny story. I mean, that's all. That's almost like fate, right well, there. It's, a, it's, a, it's really funny because I had built when I got out of that band and I was on the road with. I was the only guy that didn't spend my money on on drugs and right. women, and I saved my band money when the band was over. Everybody in the band owed the band fund money, right? Except for me. And so I, when it came time to go, I sold all the gear took their money and put it to what they owed the band fund, which was mine, because they borrowed my part. Right. And uh, I built me a nice 24 by 24 building on an acre of land and built a little pond beside it, and that was my little music room. Right. And uh, I had had all my gear in there and nobody to play with, because I'd quit associating, I'd stop, stop drinking, and I didn't really want to hang with those people anymore. And I was just driving up the road and saw, saw Steve and Terry, his older two brothers, standing out in the front yard of his daddy's house. And I hadn't seen them in a while. They were playing in the band Rock House, and they were playing every motorcycle rally between Florida and New York State. They were playing everywhere, New Hampshire, all the way to, to Key West. And they were there, and I was like, man, so I pulled in. Someone out here coming, Jeep pulling in. There's Brian and Mark. Yeah. Well, we talked, you know, and had, had dinner. I think Mom made some sandwiches, and we had dinner and, and left. I went home and I called Donna's mom and I said, could I have everybody's telephone number? And she gave me everybody's telephone number. She said, Mark and Brian will be back here in just a little bit. So I called Steve. I said, hey, Steve. Steve played bass. Best bass player in Cleveland County. Best bass player in North Carolina. Don't play bass in a band. Oh, yeah. Right? But just just unbelievable bass player. I said, uh, so I called Steve at home. I said, hey, Steve, it's Tommy Brooks. Hey, how you doing, man? I said, since you guys ain't jamming anymore, are you? He said, no. I said, well, I talked to Brian and Mark and Terry, and they said, if you play bass, Mark played the drums, Brian Terry played guitar. And coming out of my band room, I got full PA. He said, man, you know what? I love jam. That'd be great. So then I hung up, 
And I called Terry, and I said, hey, Terry. <laughs> I talked to Steve, and he said, if you play guitar, he played bass, Mark played drums, Brian played guitar, jam, and he said, man, that sounds good. So then I called back up to the house, and I said, Donna, is, is Brian there? And he said, yeah. And I said, hey, Brian. I talked to Steve, he said, if you play guitar, Mark played drums. Uh, we get down there jammed her, play guitar, Mark. He, he told Mark, and, and that's how we got. And we went down, we showed up. Now, Steve and Terry have been playing straight Southern rock. Brian and Mark have been playing Grateful Dead, Arm Brothers, Jam Band, Jazz, flip side of that music corner. Right. And I had been just off the road five years playing heavy metal drums. Right. Longing to play guitar, trying to get back into playing guitar. And when we showed up, we played for what? Four hours, probably. And at the end, we had two questions. What are we going to call ourselves and what's going to be the first gig we play? Mm -hmm. And we, I, I've been in a band with Brian. That's, that was in 99, 2000, 2000. So I mean, he's been playing music in, in some form. Almost probably 95% of the gigs I play, I'm on stage with Brian since that time. Yeah. In what, four different bands? Yeah. And y'all are still in like four different bands, well, still right? Play Harvest, that was the name of that band, was Harvest, and we kept that name that they brought from Missouri with them in Wilmington yep. and played Harvest. So Harvest has been playing music continually since 96. Yep, since a long time. And um, I don't see it stopping for a while either. Mm -hmm. We're getting into a new groove with Harvest right now where we've uh, added a piano player, uh, okay. Scott Sanders, I don't know if you know him. Yeah, I do. And, um, Tommy's now playing guitar again and Harvest and uh, just the, 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 it's a bunch of good guys too, you know, on top of pretty good musicians and that allows us to forgive each other a lot of times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we just, we're, we're having fun, productive practices and write music and, and um, that's that's a good side of it for us. We, when we were playing all those shows with, with Harvest, we were playing quite a bit. We were practicing, you know, a couple times a week and then it got down once a week. Steve went off and did his thing, and then Terry went off and did his thing, and Mark went off and did his thing, and, and I played drums some and bass some. What had started to happen was um, that last year, our first year and a half that I was playing with the Harvest, I was playing a lot of bluegrass with Jerry because the boys were playing with Jerry. Right. So when we would do a show, we, we did, yeah. one of the last time we played on stage, all four of y'all and, and me was on stage at the May Party. May Party. Rolled him on stage in a wheelchair, put the banjo on him, he said, Hold on, and he played on some rubber blues about 900 miles. Yeah, I'm sure. We did, uh, what's that place on Lafayette Street on the square that used to be there, the, like the, the old the, time Opry or something? Yeah, the yeah, comic yeah. book shop. Yeah, comic yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Steve, Steve Leatherwood. Steve Steve yeah, Leatherwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Several shows with him there. And, and Jerry had told me, he because when I was playing that heavy metal band, the guitar player in that band was a classically trained guitarist right. who had turned to play more. We were doing some Joe Satriani stuff, some mounting stuff, a lot of really hardcore classical picking, you know. Um, and he was, his technique was so flawless, he never missed a note. And he never showed me any scales or modes or anything. He showed me picking patterns and practicing patterns to get my up-down stroke, right. get my strings skipping to work, do my sweeping and arpeggios, stuff like that. Well, so I've always had a pretty good up-and-down pick. Right. And Jerry says, boy, you got them little fingers, you need to play mandolin. He said, let me get you a tape and get you a mandolin. Well, I went to the music store and bought me a little Fender A-type mandolin for about, I don't know, 
75 bucks. Showed up at Jerry's house and said, hey man, I got me a mallet. He said, well, here's a tape. You go learn these songs. And it was Sam Bush and David Grisman and Chris Thinney and Third Time Out. He didn't give you nothing easy to learn, did he? And one of the first songs that he had me, that we that I learned on the mountain was Rattlesnake. <laughs> uh, you remember that one in G minor, mm-hmm. Rattlesnake? I probably can't play it right now. Notice one of the things I do notice is you're the two of you guys are about the most passionate uh, singers. I mean, I can tell when y'all sing, you feel the song, feel the music, and uh, that it's genuine. Which uh, I you know, that. that that doesn't come across a lot with a lot of people, but I can tell that uh, you guys are totally about the music. Are. So what do you have going on? What what happens from here? Well, from here, um, you know, we're, we're planning on playing music as much as possible. I know yeah, that's, that's true. Um, it's funny, I uh, worked for myself my whole life and have always had to put my business first, you know, right. everything else. And now I'm at a point in my life where my kids work the store every day and I got all three of my daughters work for me. My son-in-law got a couple of employees been with me 15 years and I'm spending more and more time playing music. Because I always have dedicated a little bit of time every day. I, I, I remember watching a, was a, a VHS tape of David Grisman, and they were talking about you know, how he keeps his chops up, and he says, I practice three hours a day. So if I don't play three hours a day, I lose a little something. If I practice three hours a day, I stay the same. 
if I want to learn something else, I'll practice more than three hours yeah. a day. And so I sat down on the mandolin, and instead of learning Bill Monroe tunes and, and stuff like that, Ralph Stanley tunes, I grabbed a Bach book and got into Thiele and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mike Marshall and yeah. those, those guys and really tried to to learn some music on the mandolin because I knew that that would pay dividends in the bluegrass stuff because I'm we're not an average we're not really a bluegrass band we didn't call it over a bluegrass band for true reason, yeah but, yeah and that, you know we, we'll sprinkle some good old traditional bluegrass songs in there just to make the old bluegrass fans but like we say if you're if you're a bluegrass fan you come here us we'll change your your mind on I gotcha. <laughs> and you know that's pretty good too that I, that did not cross my mind but you're right. Uh, and that does fit exactly what you do instead of instead of being a traditional bluegrass band. Yeah. We do bluegrass instrumentation, but good music is good music is good music. It is. I, okay. No there's good that. rock and roll songs. There's good pop songs. There's good R&B songs. There's great soul songs. There's good bluegrass. There's good country. Well, it ain't been any good country in a long time, but I was <laughs> oh, uh, I think we'll probably all agree with that. But uh, um, the performance aspect the, the, the spontaneity the musicianship uh, for me uh, like my, my oldest daughter she hates jazz so I make a point to play jazz right. every time she's brown because um, I'll never forget my daddy driving down the road listening to the Everly the, the Everly Brothers that's another funny but the, the Everly Brothers were playing her and I got my head hanging out of the window of the truck, just shaking my head. Couldn't believe how horrible I didn't want to put up that. And my dad's just over cranking it up as much as that one little speaker in that old C10 truck could go, you know. And as soon as the song finished, the DJ came on and said, Magic 96 points. If your kids don't like it, it's got to be good. And I'll never forget that. So I try to expand my daughter's horizons on music. But she said, What is it about jazz that you like? And for me, it's the it's what I get out of playing music with Brian. It's what I, I get about playing music and the music that I play. The reason I play it is I like to step out on the edge and get that not knowing what's coming next feeling, that, that little bit of, of pulling a little order out of the chaos. And that's what jazz does for me. Every time I feel a little chaotic in life, things are just seem a little scattered, I'll pop some jazz in and just, I guess a musical mind tends to want to pull some order out of that jazz and I'll hear those little runs. And I'll hear the turnaround coming. And I can feel a build coming, and, and, and I say, yeah, you know. And it just takes all that other away. And I play drums in a band some. I play guitar in the band some. I play mandolin in a band some. And actually, what, I played bass with Harvest yeah, a few months ago. Just called me up one day, what are you doing at 7 o'clock? <laughs> can you be an actual? Can you be an actual <laughs> and play bass for three hours? <laughs> That's a callous conversation. That was a callous finger. Yeah. I think we both have a sense that you know the tradition continues because we're you know we're seeing our kids pick it up. Right. And just you know the fact I have what you call a problem when it comes to the guitars. You got too many. Yeah. I. I yeah. I understand they're that. They're laying all over my house, and so that just kind of naturally rubs off on the kids. They pick mm-hmm. it up and they'll pick up the fiddle and. And even though she don't know what she's doing, it sounds wonderful. Right. You know, just, oh yeah. Just to have it ran. So. Was it pre- was it pressure for either one of y'all coming from musical families? I mean, did did, did you feel like you had big shoes to fill in any way? No. Well, and my older brothers. Yeah. I mean, that was a lot. That of, was that was for me. It was, it was what kept me at home practicing yeah. was just how good 
they were. Yeah. Just how good, not only them, but just like, I mean, when I say I go up and sit and watch them play music on Sunday, you know, I'm going up and watching Earl Scruggs yeah. sit this down and play banjo with Jerry. Yeah. You know, I was listening to Tex Ritter sing mm-hmm. Old West country songs. I mean, you know, listening to Loretta Lynn and Conway Twitty sing Oh, yeah. gospel harmony on, I was just so glad and I didn't realize it at the time you know and that was top shelf music yeah. that I was oh, yeah. to, you know um, I never that's, I guess that's why my my grandmother shook her head all the time she tolerated it because she knew it was music and she figured it'd come around again mm-hmm. but I never felt the, yeah I don't like running pressure I felt was just was keeping up yeah I'd have Terry say come here let me show you something let me show me something and uh, look what I showed Brian and then Steve was like, hey, come on. <laughs> That's actually really cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was bringing I mean, the benefits of the yeah, the competition. I, I, I agree. Back and forth and, and I, I took some classical guitar lessons early on, um, just wanting to be different. Yeah, years. oh yeah, you know, oh yeah. It's kind of weird how it happened. My mom bought me the first guitar at Oak Grove Fire Station. It was a Buck Owens guitar. Oh. Red, white, blue. Yeah, oh, yeah. That. Harold played that guitar at the town show in elementary school. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember. He played Ghost Riders in the Sky. I remember that. The first song I played was Little Brown Jug, if I remember right. (laughs) Mom showed me the chords of that. Oh, really? And I guess that's kind of how it was. Is you know, Dad was such an iconic banjo player. I guess is the best way to put it. That uh, the first time I wanted to do it, I didn't go to him first. I said, hey, Mom, can you show me how to do this? Yeah, yeah I can understand that. Yeah, I can. did, and then, then I showed him, and then when you see the pride in the return yeah. from your you know, siblings. When I, it's funny, when I played, I got the guitar, and I brought it down out of the closet, and I tuned it. Mm-hmm. And that's when he said, well, I guess it's yours, because I t- reminded him of the story he told me about right. that, that if I could tune it, I could play it. And he said, well, I'm going to show you. First song you need to learn on guitar, and he showed. Oh, your yeah. house of the rising sun. <laughs> right, well, I didn't realize it, and he showed me that. Okay, well, I learned to play it. I practiced it and learned to play it. When I learned to play it, he said, that song will pay you dividends. And that was the only thing he ever showed me on guitar. But I never realized was it had sweeping, it had cross picking, yep. it had hammer-ons and pull-offs. And Lots and, of chords right, too. From and I said, the begin. Right, all, all the good chords, A, what? B, yeah, exactly. C, D, E, F, G, you know, they're all in there. And uh, when I got where I could play that, he said, now I'm going to show you something to, to pick. And he showed me the. Oh, yeah. Secret Agent Man. Well, yeah. what that did was it got me an up and down picking stroke. That's a hammer on. True. And then pull offs. And. Those two songs were the first songs I showed on my cross. Because it, it gave them, you know, gave them something that you yeah. just don't get from. You know what I was. Oh yeah. It, it prepared yeah. me to play other stuff. Right. You know? Yes. Yeah, and looking forward to playing. We do an annual thing every year for uh, Life Enrichment Center, which is an adult daycare center. And uh, they take care of people with Alzheimer's. Yeah, I'm afraid that might be me at some point. I'm glad y'all are doing that. Take care of you. Uh, (laughs) My my wife and kids say I I volunteer for them because they're saving me a room. I'm going to have to pay for it up front. But 
we do an annual fundraiser for them and we're going to do another one to be the fourth annual coming up. This was the third one, wasn't it? Second or third? Yeah, second, third. I think. Well, so we did one with Ashley. Yeah, and this was the second one, so it'll be the third annual coming up. And we do that at the Don Gibson Theater. And uh, going to be playing a Come Here North Carolina concert coming up. I'm not sure the date on that. That's right. There's a new North Carolina here. Here in North Carolina. Here in North Carolina. If people want to find you guys where you're playing. Facebook. That's the Facebook way. Facebook. Oak Grove Stream Harvest. The official harvest. Yeah, official harvest. Okay. And official harvest on Facebook and Oak Grove String Band on Facebook. And uh, also want to give Scott Moss and Hundred Dollar Handshakes a shout out. Shout, shout, yep. shout. I agree. Great little man. I agree great, that great they are. singer, songwriter. Yep. And I'm blessed to be playing music with him quite a bit. And, That's good. In a couple of iterations. We, right. He sings an upgrowth string band with me and Brian. And it's funny, you talk about singing harmonies. He'd been a lead vocalist for right. 10 years, but he never sang harmony. And we sat down and we're learning harmonies and him having to pick a spot. Right. And stay with that spot and, and learning to hear those harmonies. I could sit clicking with him. And you could tell a musician, you know, you show him something right. once. And you can tell next time you heard it that that added to their trick book. And uh, his other band he plays in, they came back and said, What have you been doing? What have you been doing? He's doing the same with Brian and Tom Hessel been doing. Well, that's the truth because he told me that exact same story. He said, I can't. Oh, yeah, he, he told said, me that. I said, I made me smile mirror. Years. He said, The first time I heard him sing, I said, I'm going to play music with that dude. He told me, he told me, he said, He said, I came to music late, you know, and he said, you know, I could sing okay, but Oak Grove String Band, that's where I learned to sing harmony. He said, I really didn't know first thing, and they taught me so much. So he gave you guys credit for that. He sure opened up a lot of different musical avenues for me, too. Uh, yeah. First time I heard him play, I said, yeah, I'm going to play some music. Yeah. yeah. And it took me a while, but I finally, yeah. I'm like Brian, I'm sneaky. I weasel my way in. <laughs> Here through the grapevine, the bass player not showing up for a game. I'm going to show up. Hey, man, I got my bass in the car. <laughs> <laughs> to get on his Instagram and follow me. <laughs> What's coming and going? <laughs> Set some spikes out. Yeah. Invite him to a gig so he won't book a show. <laughs> That's a good one. Well, you can get to his place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's a busy guy, too. I mean, he's yeah. got a lot going on, well, too. And I'll, I'll tell you that, uh, like around here, starting to have some places where local musicians yeah, can, yeah. can play. You know, I know how Brian felt, it felt the same way I did when I was starting out. You know, I couldn't play music in Cleveland County. You couldn't. I, you know, I was playing all up and down the East Coast for Southern Entertainment. Mm -hmm. Brian was playing all over. Stephen Terry was traveling because if you wanted to play shows for sure. crowds, that's where you had to go. I agree. And uh, since when my granddad died, you know, they closed the music part. Right. Um, how promoters are promoters and takes a special kind of yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah I kind of uh, understand that when my granddad died he had six months with shows book for Crossroads Music Park all country country and bluegrass right. that's what it was and the promoter found a different entertainment group paid him a little more money for the show right. he had a venue for 2,500 people with concessions and, and camping for a thousand and the very last show was uh, 
George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic. And after really? that show, my grandmother said, that's it. She locked the gates, turned the lights off, pulled the meter, turned the water off. And there was never another show across the music park. And that did my grandmother in. I'm sure it did. And uh, <laughs> it, made, it left an indelible mark on a lot of people, though, because I still have people come up to me in my business and say, you know, I came to shows when I was a little kid at your oh, granddad's yeah. music park. I spent the last 10 years working a little here and there to get that venue back up and running and, and hopefully in the next 5 or 10 years we'll start having upgrow music festivals at the Crossroads Music Park again because in talking to my grandmother about the reason my granddad built that music park was he was a musician and he played every day and when they worked on the road construction he brought his guitar and that's how he earned extra money and when he was at the point where he could build that and had built relationships in the music industry to get bands to come and play, she said it never made a dime of profit. It always paid its bills, but it never made any profit. But all your granddad wanted was to be able to get up on stage with Tex Ritter and play guitar. And nothing And get up on stage with Conway Twitty and play and sing. And a lot of people didn't know my granddad could play or sing. Not in a row because he's like me and Brian went off and played. Yeah. He didn't play here, you know. Mm -hmm. He built his business, he worked here, but he didn't play. And they had a fundraiser for the Shriners Hospital for children out there. And this one was one memories I have of my granddad, they had a womanless beauty page. And when that was over, somebody bid a hundred dollars to hear Tom Brooks sing a song because he'd been out there cutting up on stage and he came out in a yellow dress with a hat. I got a picture of him in there with a guitar. And he played Orchid for a Rose. <laughs> and they were a dry eye in place because he could wail. Just let that song run. Oh, and then that, the way that amphitheater was built, I mean, it was acoustically tuned. He, he knew what he was doing. Um, and so that, I'm looking forward to that. That's my goal in, in music, my musical future is to play music with as many fine musicians as I can. And well, I think try to memorialize that some way for my children because uh, you know, like I've got this book here of all right. these things. My grandmother, she took pictures and made recordings and all that. Now it's gone, but just what's in that book's all that's left. Yeah, well, I hope to leave a little more for my kids. I hope I, I can see where both y'all get to play about anywhere you want to with about anyone you want to. That it's real talent, you know, that you guys have, and and that's a real blessing. Uh, that's what it is. It is a blessing. It is. I mean, sometimes it's a curse. I'll be truthful. We all know it. You'll get to be my age and still playing, and you know, it's like, yeah, I'm old, but you know, well, my, it's, it's it's part of it. My biggest fear in life is that I die, and my wife sells all my instruments for what I told her I paid. Oh for. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? I, don't don't take it to the pawn shop, baby. You call Brian yeah. or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> Can you guys take me out with something? Y'all want to take me out with something?
that. All right, I want to thank you guys for letting me come here today. Uh, this has been a lot of fun for me. Uh, I can't wait to, for Cleveland County and hopefully more parts of the world to hear your story. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate All right, thank y'all. Final note on the show, Tommy Brooks was kind enough to invite me to his house to do this recording, and he and Brian were just fabulous guests and hosts. There is so much more to their story than what we could cover, but please go check out their live shows, look up their recorded music. Uh, you can find them on Reverb Nation and go see them all.